and we're live. I'm TJ, as normal, with Justin and Courtney. Good morning. How's TJ? I am great. This is uh, awesome. Been the we're recording this the morning after the election, and had some exciting stuff happen last night for opening some doors for our community. Pretty Mm -hmm. pumped. So yes, very excited. So I'd say a lot of us haven't had much sleep. It's been a yesterday was a big day for. Our region, and you've heard us talk about it, so we're going to talk about it today. And uh, we have our guests with us. We're just going right live into this week's podcast. We're not, we're not going to do the opening segment like we've been doing. We're just going to talk and hang out. We've got David Miller with us with the uh, Paramount and everything else you do. Talk about Destination Ashland and all sorts of stuff. It's good to have you, David. Sure. Hey, morning. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome, awesome. Well, TJ thoughts it was uh kind of shocking i guess like last night was yeah. uh and we're not going to talk about all the political stuff like that stuff whatever no we don't care about it yeah, we, well, we yeah. care about it, we, we don't. care about it but you know this is a good whatever. day this yes. is we're talking about the ballot initiative of the wet vote here in boy county is what we've been kind of hitting at if you didn't get it yet but uh the vote passed two to one by about six thousand votes mm-hmm. yeah. which was massive so I think it opens a lot of doors for our community and a lot of avenues for recruitment of, you know, I've talked about during the petition process and on this podcast, you know, bourbon is a $8 billion a year industry, $8.2 billion in the state of Kentucky. Um, they have roughly 22,000 people that work in the bur- bourbon industry across the state with an average uh, salary of around $90,000. And mm-hmm. up until last night, we couldn't even attempt to be in that industry. No. Yep. Well, that's changed. So. <laughs> so, so, um, as a, I guess a, a relative outsider to the, 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 some of those rules of this, I've, I've often thought, you know, Boyd County is, and as someone who's gone through a lot of the bourbon trail, like Boyd County seems pretty uniquely poised to be either the last stop for someone going uh, east or the first stop yep. for someone going west. And so yep. has it been a yep. vote like this that has prevented that from, when you see someone yeah. like Prestonsburg is kind of, you know, I love that area, but that, down around that area, you have a, a distillery coming in now or, yep. or they're up and running mm-hmm. now. So, so this has been the, a big barrier for that outside of funding. Uh, yes. It's so it has absolutely one. been the biggest block because of, so it's funny, people that are opponents of the wet vote, have brought up some interesting points concerning, you know, distilleries and even breweries. Sure. And um, and I totally respect people who disagree with it. That that's absolutely fine. But I also want to make sure that facts are being, you know, put out, uh, not opinions. And one of the big things is the model of a distillery, which and you've seen this. You've been on the Bourbon Trail, like you just described. Mm-hmm. Name one distillery that didn't sell their product in the grift shop when you left. Oh sure, and right, uh, and even uh, some uh, like Buffalo Trace is one of the most awarded yep. and like most popular. There are some of their products that it's almost near impossible to get unless you're going to the distillery. Like right. it's most likely to go there to get some things now, like Blantons and some right. of those really popular pours. So, so without this vote, they could not sell their product at their own facility, which sure. is really hard because sure production the, the opponents make the argument that production isn't prevented by a wet vote which is absolutely true however a, a distillery is really a part of two industries it's part of a production and distribution centered industry uh, which is the the sale of alcoholic drinks uh, by the bottle 
across the state and across the country and the world. But what has grown over the last decade and which is such a huge impact to our state is the tourism-based sure. economy and industry. And that's where selling your product, um, both by the bottle and by the drink, have made a huge stride in taking the bourbon trail to the next step. Yeah. Um, and without this vote, um, we couldn't even have that conversation because both they want to they have both. Uh, they they want to do both. There's nobody that wants to open a distillery and focus solely on production and distribution and, and getting out of here as fast as they can after they make it. They want to have a full scope um, yeah. approach. And, and the thing is, is you're right. As far as like our unique position, everybody that comes from the East Coast pretty much comes in on 64. Yeah. And we are the first three exits in the state of Kentucky. Um, yeah, we so, use that as a leveraging point at the Paramount. Yeah, uh, when we're getting new new artists and they want to know about the area, uh, we can do that when we're working on tour routing. We can say, "Hey, are you headed to Pittsburgh, Philadelphia? Are you going even? You know, are you going over to Louisville? Are you going to, down to Nashville?" Right. Uh, mm-hmm. We yeah, we're. A, yeah, you can track them through this town. Absolutely. Yeah, and you know, with brewers like with breweries, they can they could set up shop now, but before they couldn't have a tap room. Right. Right. Well, now mm-hmm. they can. Sure, yeah. and you know? people aren't really. It's not a, a tourism thing for you to uh, to drive to see the building where it's made. <laughs> no, it's, that's not yeah, and right. uh, and yeah, there's a whole industry around that as well. Like, yeah, you have the brewmasters or distillers, people that are in production. But uh, I have a friend in Lexington that works uh, for IT for uh, a, a distillery, and right. keeping that up and running. Like, you have people doing like the logistics mm-hmm. work. Right. Uh, it's robust, the level of the kind of jobs there. Obviously, there's branding, marketing uh, with that as well. Yep. Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's big. And I mean, they, you know, they're more successful when they can develop a good brand. And I, uh, in doing some of the tours that I've done, I've always really enjoyed the, uh, the cultural aspect of it. Um, it's, and I've seen how uh, something like the popularity of the bourbon industry has affected when I've traveled and I tell people I'm from Kentucky. Uh, they often go straight to bourbon, and they're like, "Have yep. you done mm-hmm. any tours?" They yeah. want to. They, they yep. think it's really interesting to know the process of that. And uh, you know, I think growing up, Kentucky had certain cliches, or Appalachia had certain cliches associated with it. And I've, yep. I keep seeing a shift more mm-hmm. toward right. the arts for us, or certain cultures of things like mm-hmm. distilling. Our music is getting more of a, a, a notoriety, a certain style of right. music and whatnot. Yeah. So we've cool. brought it up on the podcast several mm-hmm. times. And I love, I just love saying it is there was a status about a month ago. You probably saw it. We talked to Holly about it when she was on the show and it was, uh, Nashville killed country music, but Eastern Kentucky saving it. Yeah. Yeah. And re- regardless if you agree with the first part or not, it's pretty awesome mm-hmm. that, that people are saying that, that Eastern Kentucky is having a, such a pivotal role right now yep. in music. Well, and it's something that we hang our hat on <clears throat> as a state, you know, bourbon, horses, music, that's who we are and up until today we've not been able to tap into the bourbon part of it yeah not been allowed that's our yeah culture yeah so now those possibilities are endless you know now it's getting people to come to the area and set up shop but now they can and mm-hmm. you know when you look at the whole st- as the state as a whole you know i always say you're you're a big enough city when you got your name on the interstate sign coming from Lexington, you know, it's actually <laughs> yeah. hundred miles. So, I mean, we're, yeah, we're yeah. a big enough community where we can draw in those styles, those types of companies. Yeah. So in the, uh, the available area, when I think of like a lot of that land that's available out in the County, uh, 
its proximity to 64 relatively, like compared to, I mean, Woodford Reserve, it's not centrally located. I mean, you drive right, to a lot of right. beautiful horse farms right. and whatnot. It's great. Let's say for Maker's Mark, you but, have to want to be oh, there. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So you have to so want to be there. You have to want to be there. And so this is, uh, yeah, we even have that the convenience of, yeah, of that. You can just accidentally so, find it. So, <laughs> yeah. You could see you know, a sign yeah, and easily yeah. follow signs and yeah. not get lost in a pasture. Well, what's it, cool yeah. about it is if we, if we do take advantage of that proximity to 64, I just keep thinking about like the family or the couple that's on their way somewhere else and they see a sign that says distillery and they were surprised by it and they stopped just to check out what it was. And then they learn that the bourbon trail is a thing. Yeah. Like they, yeah. they may not even know that the bourbon trail is a thing. And then the next thing they know is they, Oh wow, we're only an hour from the next stop, you know? And I, and I think Moorhead will probably eventually have a distillery. So then it's, it's only going to bring it back to, Oh, I'm only 40 minutes from the next, yeah. you know, 45 minutes. And of course, you already have Saltstone Brewing down there, yeah. um, and those things. It just it adds on to. It's so funny, is because you mentioned earlier before we got on here, and I've mentioned it on the show before about where coal and iron meets, and mm-hmm. both are gone, and all these things. And <laughs> you know, it, I'd, I'd never want to take away from manufacturing and industrial. Um, economic development, investment, whatever you want to call it. It's absolutely important. Those are good jobs. Mm-hmm. But at the fact of the matter is, is things have changed. Like it, let's say if unity gets off the ground with their facility, sure. I, I saw some of the stuff that they said that if that plant was built 10, 15 years ago, it'd take like 1500, 2000 people at bare minimum to run that plant. Well, they're going to do it with 500 because of automation. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. in it's 10 years, right. it may be mm-hmm. half that that it yep. takes to run that. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. You're never going to automate the experience of going to seeing a show at the Paramount with you guys. You're never going to automate the experience of going to a distillery and, and enjoying the culture of a, of a state or a brewery or going to Rush Off Road, whatever it is. If we can, like, we are a community that has habitually had the rug pulled out from underneath of us, for lack of a better term, with all this industry that's yeah. left and, and the, the ebbs and flows of industry mm-hmm. like that, this is something that we can latch onto that is not going to be pulled out from underneath no, of us. We, we become a, a, de- a destination. We bought our own rug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it changes everything for everyone in this room. Oh, Me with tourism. You have the Convention right. and Arts Center. Yes. TJ with economic development. I mean, it's. I feel like we're starting over now. Well, it's like, right. I mean, there's been talks with brewing companies. I won't say right now because just, just in case. But, mm-hmm. I mean, there's been conversations that I had with brewing companies about coming to our town to do direct to sales for our events. They weren't ever allowed. Mm-hmm. Well, I got pretty excited last night and I emailed him <laughs> and said, Hey buddy, we're wet. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> and uh, he emailed me this morning and said, Hey, let's talk 2021. I mean, those opportunities now are there. Like, you know, I'm, we're sitting here in Calixburg or in the courthouse. I'm looking out the window I mean, imagine what it's going to do for this little town. I know. I mean, right now, we've talked about Bright and being a Bright, you know, me and Courtney are almost finished with Bright. And the big thing that we've seen is these Main Street initiatives, these downtown people. All these towns were built around the same time, and they're all really old, Mm -hmm. and they're all trying to be revitalized, and all these Main Street initiatives are being... uh, you know they're getting taking off. they're getting they're taking off right, yeah. right. thanks and yeah. uh, that's going to happen for Calixburg we hope I mean yeah. there's there's things in the works to make that happen but to do whatever we want to do in this little town it's going to be so beneficial because hey and if you don't drink that's fine mm-hmm. I'm not somebody that drinks but 
I understand what it does. You know, it's it's the atmosphere. It's it's the opportunity to get together. Look what it's done for Carter County. Look what it did for Grayson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they're building a $10 million sports complex now. Yep. And the little downtown's kind of cool. And there's all these things opening for that for that little city. And now those opportunities are going to come to us. Yep. So I'm super pumped about all of it. Well, David, you're also involved in uh, Birkenfest. Do you want to talk to us about that and how you got it started? And Yeah, yeah. So that's been one of those things where obviously we have a community that comes with uh, like a certain set of values and even uh, a, they have really strong religious values and that often kind of can be at odds with something like alcohol and sales and whatnot. So right. when we first started Birkenfest, uh, uh, this would have been I think this would have been our fifth year, fifth or sixth year this this year, and it, it, it didn't get to happen, obviously. But uh, the evolution of how people viewed that event over the last few years, as we've shown, this is what it can do for downtown mm-hmm. merchants and whatnot. That when that first started, that kind of also kickstarted my involvement with a lot of downtown stuff. So Fergenfest is put on with by this nonprofit called Ashland in Motion, which is a nonprofit dedicated to a downtown initiative, like mm-hmm. Justin was talking about it. So we focus on all these events on like how do we, how does this affect our downtown? How do we get people down here? And beer festivals were a huge thing. They were they were really popular. They still are. Um, but as that became kind of a trend, we were like, well, we think we could do that. And that began first legal hurdles. Uh, like if this would this would have would have passed and and would have been county wide without any like special districting or anything, I mean, just that it would have been way easier. Yeah. But people were were nervous. They're like, well, so we're going to be just out in the streets. You're drinking. What does that look like? I mean, that first year, we uh, we had like satellite images that we gave to the city commission and the police and had like exact drawings of this is where the limits will be. And we had like caution tape at the <laughs> at the perimeter of the festival, which really makes a really nice festival vibe when you have <laughs> police tape encircling <laughs> your alcohol like event. So, oh yeah. Right. And, uh, and so it, it, it was a lot of hurdles of how do we negotiate with the state and local uh, restrictions on what does this even look like? Right. But then that first year it rained like cats and dogs, but we still had uh, a thousand people down downtown. Awesome. We all crammed wow. under these tents mm-hmm. and we're just having a good time. We have, we focused on live music every year with this yeah. and trying to find local artists that can play at this, uh, this event. We have food trucks and just those basic elements that's really making a community experience. And we encourage those downtown businesses to be open during that time because you've got a 1,000 people right mm-hmm. outside. So make a sale, make a flashy sign, and get them in there. They're also, you know, we, we boozed them up a little bit for you. So <laughs> yeah. they're boosting that wallet. So <laughs> yeah. get them in there. There you go. Uh, but we've had a lot of success with that, and that continues to grow. Uh, but we would love to look beyond that. You know, we don't want to just be like, hey, we're the nonprofit that just does beer events. But... Uh, by, by starting that, when I, I first moved back to the area around the time that was starting, and I remember being in uh, Ashland Beverage Center downtown, and there was a uh, like a clipboard that just said, "Would you be in favor of a beer festival in Ashland?" And I remember putting my name on that for that survey so that they could let the city know or whoever it was that you know say, "Hey, we think we could do mm-hmm. this," and asked around to find out who's even putting this on because I'm I'm back in this area, I want to get involved, and this is the kind of thing that I'm excited about having in, in our area and got plugged in, started helping doing marketing for that. And then next year came back and did it again. Third year came back and helped again. And throughout those years, I found myself also volunteering with like 
First Friday events and things like that. And so over the course of a, course of a few years there, uh, at some point I transitioned into being on the board of that nonprofit. So it was a lot of years of like real of strong dedication to Fur Confess <laughs> led to right. a dedication to other uh, community service within that. Uh, so that's been okay. that's been fun and also just kind of uh, I don't know. It's my, it was my first experience working with a nonprofit and like you know going back and forth on event ideas and trying to figure out how you keep with your mission and you know mm-hmm. throwing around ideas and and doing even kind of another one that I I love Firkenfest but I've really started to enjoy uh, the gravy bowl. <laughs> yeah. been doing. Like having a biscuits and gravy competition sounded <laughs> wacky. And that was something that was thrown around for years. Like I'd say at least two years really? was this idea of biscuits and gravy. And then finally it was just like, okay, we'll let's do it. And, <laughs> I got to go. And it was great. I mean, we're, it's, I mean, obviously it's currently not looking great because it's usually in February and mm-hmm. it's crammed right. uh, and you're slinging biscuits and gravy mm-hmm. in a pretty enclosed area. So, uh, who knows? Right. Uh, I don't know the studies, if the CDC has done any studies on how long COVID lasts on gravy. But <laughs> uh, Well, they released yesterday that if you were infected with COVID, you could still go and vote. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, at this point, it's like the world is whose line is it anyway? <laughs> right. The rules are made up and the points don't matter anyway. <laughs> Did you guys see the meme going around that it was like, so who was tuning in for the season finale the, yeah, of the United finale of America. States? Yeah. <laughs> I definitely saw that. Yeah, it was funny. So you're talking about marketing and stuff. Tell us a little bit about like, just tell us about you, your background. You said you moved away, like just... Yeah, yeah. A little bit. Um, so I'm a, an Ashland boy. I uh, grew up here, uh, went to Rose Hill, and uh, graduated from there for high school, and then went to Moorhead State. Uh, then after graduating from Moorhead with, uh, in their marketing, graphic mm-hmm. design uh, department, I uh, moved around a little bit. I was in Cincinnati. I lived up in New England for a bit. And I remember being up in uh, just outside of Boston. I was... Uh, I traveled around for work a little bit up there, and I remember being in that area and seeing uh, like daily independent articles. I would subscribe to to it to kind of see what was still going on here and start seeing like First Fridays started to become a thing and started to see these things that like, you know, this area that I'm like, okay, I drove, I you know, live 15 hours away. Uh, I mean, I'm loving this vibe up here, but now I'm seeing it happen in my hometown. Yeah. And um, so I, I started seeing that and kind of wanted to be back closer to family. Like it just, I mean, New England is fun to visit, but I don't, I mean, I like it, but it, kinda, <laughs> it also kind of sucked. So, uh, it was cold. It just wasn't for me. I didn't like, I was up there for over a year. Didn't even like get plugged in anywhere. It just, I, I was not right. there with it. My heart wasn't there. So, uh, had an opportunity to come back here doing marketing, uh, for our public library, and loved those guys. I was uh, I was there for a bit. Then transitioned to marketing at King's Daughters. Okay. And uh, then so King's Daughters has just been that, that was a huge point of growth for me because then I had people uh, above me that had been doing this for years and years, and so I was able to really grow in that, get plugged into the community, and had a really great experience there. So I've been kind of just following this trail of opportunities as I saw them and a little over a year ago I saw this opening with the Paramount decided to go for that um felt like I had grown to a point where I could maybe help 
in a, in a position like that, that you know, where it's a much smaller team. King's Daughters, I, one of the things I miss whenever I'm ever back there for like any reason I had to go back to King's Daughters, uh, I still see all these people that I interacted with doing community events or volunteering with mm. them and stuff. And so I really miss how many people work there, how many people you get to know in all these different departments and stuff. Right. Uh, Paramount is great. We've got like, you know, 10 people working there. So, uh, it's a much smaller group. Um, but it's, it's, it's fun. It's way different ways of learning, um, with all that. So I've, I've kind of followed this trail of marketing and community positions throughout the years. And now, uh, now I'm in a, in a place to, you know, do this here with you guys. And it's, it's fun for us when we do this podcast to see people like you that have left. You know, mm-hmm. Michael Miller with the Mill Cafe. Like, she lived in New York City. Yeah, yeah. And pastry chef. Pastry chef. And had no reason, really, to come here back. Right. And you really probably didn't either. Um, but it's amazing that, like, you guys, you know, there's something about your hometown. It's always your hometown. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty cool to come back, especially when you see change that's happening in our town, in our county. And that change is definitely coming and it has already started so well and i like too what david said about all it took for him was he just saw a flyer you know at a store right. and yes. he, he said right. what can i do to help and, and it's really that it's it really can be that easy to get involved mm-hmm. and know? it's also stuff like that is why it's so important and we've discussed this before mm-hmm. uh, about putting out social media content yeah, yeah we get it like not everybody's on social media but right. all it takes is you know one david miller to see a post and send us a message and say, how do I get involved? And then it snowballs into this big thing. Right. You know, Justin's story that we've talked about several times on here and other places, you know, Justin was a member of our maintenance crew and Mm -hmm. we had had some ideas and stuff and we didn't know how we were going to make them come to fruition. But he reaches out before Judge Cheney even takes office and was like, man, I want to do more than what I'm doing. And the, the, it, it all lined up, and and we gave him a chance. And let me tell you something: that's like him moving into that position has been so impactful to this community that a lot of people don't know. Sure, but it all started because he reached out and said, "I want to, I want to start doing more." And that is so prevalent throughout our group of people that we've had on this podcast and in this room right now. Of uh, that's all it takes is just saying, yeah. "Hey, I want to, I want to do more." Yeah, and. uh I'm I'm trying to uh, within the last let's say maybe a year or so I'm trying to become more cognizant and more uh, aware of okay David Miller is maybe a little more extroverted than than some people that might want to have right. that kind of helpful intent how do we reach these folks that they are like okay I saw the flyer and I signed it obviously hundreds of other people signed that f- same flyer as mm-hmm. me and some of them would be interested and we've had good volunteerism at something like Fur Confessed mm-hmm. but. I, I try to be aware of like who are these maybe more introverted people that do have great ideas that just aren't as willing to kind of put themselves snoop out around, there. yeah, mm. and put themselves out there. And um, I mean, r- lately, but also it's kind of an ongoing criticism within uh, our community in, in Ashland of uh, you know ha- volunteer groups and boards having some of the same names on them. That's a right. criticism that comes up, and it's one that mm. I'm always happy to address because uh you know when you when you see something like that becoming prevalent i'm obviously i'm very defensive of that and would be glad to you know i will talk to someone and say here's why i don't think that's necessarily true but when you start seeing it come up over and over again i think it would be irresponsible of me not to 
at least sit there and go, okay, well, what's making some people feel this way? Right. Who? So if they're feeling this way, then maybe if they're feeling critical of that and feeling critical of these volunteer boards, maybe it's because they feel like they haven't been heard at some point or haven't had right. an opportunity. So I'm trying to, as I hear that criticism, try to you know, still be defensive of saying, you know, I think I've got, we, I'm working with good people. No one's, you know, I've certainly not gotten any like special favor that I'm aware of for doing these volunteer <laughs> things. Uh, it's uh, the, but I want to hear people when they, they say that as someone who's like put in a lot of time and effort and gets really proud of these products. When someone's critical of that, it is really easy. My knee jerk reaction is to be like, Hey, who do you think you are? I put in this many hours and you weren't right. there. Uh, but I also want to be like, well, then what would it take for you to be there? What, how do you get, how right. do I comfortably get you to right. the table to ask questions well, or it's, suggest it's things? 2020. So it doesn't even have to be, how do you get there? It's, it's pretty simple to start your own 501c3. <laughs> it's pretty simple to start your own Facebook page. Um, yeah. You know, we, the app we started with this podcast, you could literally just talk into your phone. So, I mean, yeah, sure. Yeah, there's yeah. so many mediums that people can use to, if if they really feel like there is a, a, a silent majority or whatever, and I'm not talking about the elections, I'm just talking about in general, of people that feel like they're, I don't know. Disenfranchised. Disenfranchised or yeah. whatever is, like, we'll use that as a way to come together and start a, a new organization. But that, unfortunately, it seems like on social media, which is where most of this kind of stuff that you talk about comes to rear its ugly head is that's kind of where it stops you know it, it's the post mm -hmm. it's the comment um and it never goes further than that yeah and it's and when you actually get out into the community and get out into these events then you see it's it's not as bad as facebook makes it out to be <laughs> yeah no like never i told is. i told tj like he got to come to one of our movie nights and i talked to him about it. i'm like how great of a mood are you in right now and he's like great mood and I'm like, yeah, because, you know, generally people don't suck. And they come out and do things. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. we've got a full parking lot of cars, and there's yeah. kids everywhere, and, you know, social distancing. <laughs> and they're sure. at the food truck, yeah. and they're doing all this stuff. And it's like, it really, and the other thing is, is that for people like us, like doing a podcast, doing all the community stuff that we do, the economic stuff that we do, you just have to do it. Mm -hmm. And then when you have success... Then people show up and want to get involved. Right. Yeah. You know, by the third week of the movie night, we had regulars that were coming that were helping us set up. Yeah. Because yeah. they were like, this is cool. How can we help? You know, I have one guy helping me with the movie screen, and we're keeping it from the wind blowing. And it's like, sure. he was just there to watch a movie, and now he's involved. And they're reaching yeah. out like, what, what are y'all doing next? How can we help? And mm -hmm. it's, it's literally that easy. But yeah. I've learned with people that you just have to go do it. And then once you do it and they come, they're like, well, we want to keep this happening. Then people start taking ownership of it, and that's what's pretty cool. Our big movie got canceled, but right. we've got another one coming in December. <laughs> right. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, it's – I try to uh, – I mean, it's okay to respond to some things on, on social media, but, like, with it at the Paramount, if people uh, – people – like to just before they'll call you they want to just like message your facebook page and they don't <laughs> yeah. know if someone's there or not like, and also when i worked at king's otters people were messaging that facebook page at king's otters being like i need to cancel my appointment <laughs> and so it's it happens people just really trust social media as a direct yeah. line to someone yeah and uh so that will happen at the paramount someone will say like i haven't been able to get through because they may not know our they haven't looked at our box office hours or something they may not have called they're just they'll just all hours of the night say, I want to talk to somebody about something. 
And something I've noticed Holly do uh, as the, the director, we, we, we will all see the messages coming in. And sometimes we're really quick to, instead of responding to someone's message directly through that, she she's quick to say, here's my cell phone number, call me directly right. to resolve something. Or if they have a question about an artist or right. e- really anything, uh, we've tried to really make it a personal connection that's not just a Facebook message because, especially if they're angry, it really does help to get rid of the Facebook, the, you know, you, something about empowering and, and, and angering about it being behind a keyboard mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah. rather than just having a quick conversation. Even if they are angry, I feel like it still goes better when you're having an actual talk yeah. with them. So there are certainly ways that, uh, I don't know, it, it is cool how maybe when they're talking to a person, they realize that it is an actual human being and not this faceless well, message. There's something emotional behind that. You know, yeah. when you're trying yeah. to talk to somebody face to face with a keyboard behind a computer screen, there's no emotional repercussion, you know, yeah. and right. you can't just, hear empathy yeah. through a keyboard right. or, right. you know, an understanding tone right. or, or even an angry tone. Like you don't yeah. know how somebody's truly feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I guess you maybe can feel a little bit of the anger tone, but you, you don't, you know, it, you, there's so much lost through a message. Mm-hmm. And there's also so much lost just through, uh, like, our perception of social media. Like, I know, like, when we were talking about the wet vote, like, when the when we were the marketing campaign was out to get the signatures. Yeah. You know, of course, when you put out something that's sponsored and goes out to thousands of people, you know, you're going to get, you're going to touch people that don't agree with it. So, like, you would get on those comment threads, and we would look, and it'd be, like, 20, 30 people just, no, no, no. Yeah. That's all they would say. That's all they would say. Yeah. And But the thing is, is, like, when you start thinking about it, it's like, we have 47,000 people in this county. We have 40,000 registered voters in this county. Um, You know, we're going to probably have... 20 to 25,000 people show up on election day. Mm-hmm. When you start doing even down to the smallest numbers, it's, you know, 20, 30 people is, is nothing compared Cause to the had, majority. Because just based on the numbers that we saw, you had, because, you know, there's people that forgot to vote for it. Right. Because it was on the back of the ballot, and if you didn't pay attention and, and straight ticket about that. straight, ticket, straight ticket does not fill in everything. Right. No, yeah. so the amendments and the questions, they have to be done separately. And mm-hmm. um, the poll worker that I had told me, of course, I knew, obviously, but the poll worker told me and my fiance, like, flip it over. There's, you know, but, but I do know there's some cases where that didn't happen. Yeah. But there were still over 18,000 people that voted for that. And, Twelve thousand out of eighteen said yes. Right. So I mean, obviously, it was something that this area wanted. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's an overwhelming. That's an undeniable uh, group. So, of those eighteen thousand, do you know how many were fraudulent mail-in votes? <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> those, haven't been, those haven't been counted. Yet. Oh, certainly. Yeah. yeah. That's right. So we have till was it uh, December of twenty twenty one? If you yeah. listen to CNN, <laughs> right? Yeah. Or something to count those, right. but uh, yeah. I think it's just Pennsylvania. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. There's five <laughs> counties on the border. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, something we said earlier that we touched on that I wanted to to bring up in regards to the Paramount. So uh, we were talking about, uh, well, that comment about, you know, Nashville killed country music. Mm-hmm. And, and that mixed with how we do have a strong sense of community around here. Uh, we're noticing when we book things at the Paramount, a lot of, like, 
radio country gets outperformed by like 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 red dirt kind of yeah, stuff or like right, more right. like some of it is yeah these are local like more local regional things yeah. but also there is a uh, there is now a uh, I think in a Instagrammy social media whatever world there's so much in in authenticity that mm-hmm. people get really they really want something that moves them in their media now yeah right. And we can see that in so in the uh, our drive-in shows over the mm-hmm. summer, uh, they both both nights did really well. But we did a night with Jamie Johnson and a night with uh, Chase Rice. Chase Rice. Yes, I obviously know <laughs> a lot about that. Right. <laughs> so we so you have uh, this guy that's got huge radio presence and. Jamie Johnson still had some some hits and everything, but he's been yeah. doing a lot more stuff. Well, he hasn't put out new music and in ten years, exactly. Right. And he outsells the new guy that mm-hmm. is. If Chase Rice had you know, he he got into some trouble uh, right before our show <laughs> yeah. with right. social distancing, uh, but uh, he's a big name. He's he's huge. Yeah. It's and one was outpacing the other by a good margin, yeah. and. It was uh, that's something we're seeing even with uh, these socially distanced shows that we're doing. Some of these smaller, like the uh, like the Steelwoods are coming up this weekend, and yes. there that's like mix of like southern rock with some country, con- some yeah. country and all that. Yeah. yeah, and people really respond to their life experiences. Like you, you might see like you hear it and think, well, that's kind of rough around the edges, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, yeah, but that's what people are living in in our area. They, yep. it's a cathartic to hear a shared experience through that. Well, they sing about real life, and they look like they live in real life, you know, so, with the yeah. with the commercial yeah. stuff. It's just not yeah. there. It's well, just really not. That's why people like Nick Jamerson mm-hmm. and like even when, yeah. when he was with Sunday Best, and I guess they're getting back together. Fingers which, crossed. And which blew up, right? It blew yeah. up, yeah, but yeah. people. I think I agree with you 100%. I think the pe- reason people cling to those guys and, and Nick, which they're great guys, um, but, you know, like when Nick is, he records a video of him singing a song about a town that's abandoned because Cole left, and you find out that it was his one of his family members' um, mm-hmm. you know, houses, and he's singing a song about his you know, family members gathering there for holidays and everything. It's just such real emotion. And the thing is, is we can all probably relate to that a little bit, or at mm-hmm. least we've seen it in this area, you know, and, and Cole Chaney, my gosh, like, you know, with some of the, his originals that he's put out, those are, you know, and Cole's graduated from Boy County High School. He's right from right here in Boy County. And, you know, that, that anguish, people just attach to it because they've seen it mm-hmm. every day. And it's so funny, as you mentioned, the drive-in concert is the Chase Rice night. I heard more about Shelby Lore yeah, than I heard about true. Chase yeah. Rice. And he's, yeah. you know, and he's, he's one of our guys. Yeah, yeah. Tell you what here. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that, that was, I think, from those two shows, that night especially, Shelby Lore was my favorite part of that night. Um, and, uh, I mean, having, I think between him and Tyler Booth, Right. Tyler Tyler's uh, said that it's more southeastern Kentucky, but yep. he's yeah, Wolf County. Wolf yeah, County. yeah, Wolf, Wolf County. County. Um, there was a time like post show where I looked at Holly and I was like, 
gosh, we probably could have just had the same <laughs> number of people out there for those two guys and right. the third, and the third yeah, local guy. Saved a lot of money. And yeah. uh, it would have stopped me having to respond to TMZ asking about Chase Wright. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So that was like the Monday. Because that happened Monday. like days before yeah. him yeah. getting in trouble. Yeah, it was it like did. Three, yeah. four the days. week of that show, I literally <laughs> woke up to an email from TMZ being like, so you, I, I see you're going to do a concert with this guy that has no regard for human life. A and I was like, spreader. how do I respond to that, TMZ? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. That's funny. Um, but yeah, people, they respond so well to that. The it's And well, we see that more and more. And in a lot of ways, it makes it easier to book because these guys, mm-hmm. uh, they're not asking the same amount. They're, you know, a fraction of the cost. Right. And they just... And it's probably low profile based on what they need. They're probably pretty easy going in that oh, If we regard. tell them, hey, we put you in... We had these guys and we put them in... Uh, the the Winchester or not the Winchester the Delta yeah when they were sleeping in the restaurant in the yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah they uh, had them in the in the Delta and they when they came over to the Paramount they were like have you seen the room you've got us in I mean it was just it was just a hotel room but they were thrilled right, right. it's the little the little things and they were like and you oh there's a six pack of this IPA that we asked mm-hmm. for we never get that and we were like guys it's like a ten dollars six pack yeah come <laughs> on guys thanks you're selling well we appreciate you being here like yeah, absolutely such a there's such a pride about living in Appalachia, mm-hmm. even even mm-hmm. if we're on the end or however you want to, wherever we're located. But that is our culture, especially running down 23. And I feel like, as somebody like for me who's a big music guy, like the Red Dirt music is real similar in that regard to yeah. our area. I think it's very relatable. Um, East like Texas, a bad, and East, East Texas, Kentucky. like oh yeah, you know, like Whiskey Myers. We've talked about before, but Whiskey Myers coming to the Paramount this past January. Not not a band that's on the radio at all. Um, Spotify and places like that have really helped these artists grow because of the coverage they get. Mm-hmm. But talk about how quick they sold out. Oh, so yeah. since I've I've only been here, I started in May of 2019. So maybe I don't know, 18 months now or something like that. Yeah. Uh, that Whiskey Meyer show was the fastest show since I've been here. It was bonkers. Uh, which is is great because I mean you can have really big names um, that still sell well, but they take the entire four month on sale period to and then sell you don't out. Know what's gonna happen? Like, and like, yeah. they could stop at any time selling tickets. And yeah, it just it just caps out randomly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and those artists, which are great, they but you know, they'll come through. I'll you won't see them until they step out on the stage and they're gone. And then you have like. Whiskey Myers people are like calling desperate for anything they can get uh, to get into this show. And those guys are just like running around, coming into the box office themselves to be like, hey guys, what's up? What? Like yeah. the most down to earth mm-hmm. folks. And so, and we understand like we don't just want to turn the Paramount into just booking for like, oh, there's David. He's 32. He's just going to book stuff that's just new. We, the Paramount's also a nonprofit. So right, you kind of right. have to cultivate. Uh, mm-hmm. Some new folks that have never been there before, right? And but I do think you all have done a good job of hitting all the demographics. And that's a, it's a very intentional thing. We have yes. had we'll look at like okay, here's the next six months of booking, and we try to look at demographics and who is this hitting, and we'll say okay, we could book another Southern Rock thing, but we haven't done something that's for folks mm-hmm. that were born in this or someone that's like. Like when we booked, uh, like Michael Bolton, he sold out. He was yep. great. But there's there's folks that like that adult contemporary kind of stuff that they want to come to the Paramount. Mm-hmm. It's for them too, and right. so we we try to do that. And we want to get to a place. 
where and we see kind of a model where the more we can do outdoor shows, the you make more money off outdoor shows because you have mm-hmm. a, a larger right. Um, right. Um, at capacity. We're a nonprofit, so there are shows like a Broadway show that by the time you get a full professional Broadway show to come to town, it's really expensive. And so when you only have 1,400 seats, it's easy to price that out of the price range of people in our area. But we're a nonprofit, so in order to fulfill our mission, we want to bring that here, even if it loses money. We'd love to see us get to a place where, you know what, we're making a killing on these outdoor shows, and so we're going to take some of the profit from that and put it toward an awesome Broadway show that we know we're going to lose money on, Mm -hmm. but it brought musical theater and Broadway to Mm -hmm. this area. And so that's kind of a, a, a big vision that Holly and I have right now is how do we find ways of like alternate revenue that can be significant enough to bring in something that you we don't have to worry about you being able to afford the ticket. Right, you right. can do this. And that's, I think, the most exciting thing for me when I think about the future of the Paramount is trying to do that kind of stuff. And like Justin was saying with the, you know, $10 million investment in sports complexes and Grayson, well, how, how do we get some – that kind of potential funding for a permanent stage somewhere right right that because when we do outdoor shows the it costs just as much in getting infrastructure than it does getting artists right so uh that's the thing that's like the hardest hurdles to overcome but the things that get us really riled up and get it get us excited right absolutely so. and doing outdoor shows you know you know you do stuff at the riverfront but now you know with the vote and the wet vote like Doing things out in the county where there is land and there is opportunities to do it, mm-hmm. the whole way those festivals look have changed. Absolutely, yeah. you know all the little things that'll go in go on inside those festivals is a whole new ball game for us, and that's mm-hmm. going to really draw people from out of area to this town, and it's, it's so exciting. I just can't say enough. Yeah, I don't know if. Uh... Have you guys been to Bonnaroo in Tennessee? No, I've it's, seen the traffic. I mean, it's the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I've like, been through Manchester. I was like, yeah, like, I mean, yeah. maybe an hour and a half or two hours from mm-hmm. Nashville yeah. when there's no traffic. But I mean, it's literally the middle of nowhere. Like, it's – but they, they've been able to grow that over years of investment. I was growth, reading but, about it yesterday. I think it was yesterday. They have 30,000 people that work on that festival. Yikes. Because our city moves in, yeah, just in employees and volunteers and stuff. Yeah, these – a lot of major festivals like that, uh, they're not, like, in the middle of town. There's certainly city festivals like Bunbury mm-hmm. and in Cincinnati and uh, Lollapalooza in Chicago. But there are some major camping festivals that are just out there. Uh, so it's not a matter of I, I when especially when it comes to entertainment, uh, those kind of things. I don't see it as a hurdle for something to be uh, even off the beaten path a little bit because once you have a product that you're you believe in and it is good, people are going to seek that out. They're going right. to find it. And I I was thinking just a couple of days ago how like I do not envy who the people that were doing marketing at the Paramount twenty years ago. Like you would have had to, how much money would have had to go into print and getting the word out to just this area now i can take a fraction of that budget and let everybody from lexington to charleston know that we're having a show Mm -hmm. and really get people in from that whole area and cultivate that whereas like i can't imagine what it how much extra work it would have been to cultivate an audience for the paramount even just that little bit ago in the way facebook in the in the last 10 years has evolved to do that it's it's crazy how much that's shifting, but it also is really good for like you guys and for all of us working on a community level to reach out in a tourism perspective. You mm-hmm. can reach people for less 
uh, marketing dollars to work. So uh, there's certainly opportunity there. It's like a lot of those hurdles, technology is helping overcome those. Um, and that's, that's pretty incredible. For sure. It's a lot of exciting stuff. And, you know, I think that we've talked about the wet load a lot, but it's stuff like that. It's just not being afraid to take steps, you know, to, to change the path or open doors that have never been opened before. And I think I said this on a, a podcast uh, a while back was, you know, if we want to get the results that we've never got, we've got to do things that we've never done. Yeah. And I think this wet vote is a perfect example of that. And what's the most exciting for me about it is not just the opportunities that presents itself. It's the fact that so many people in our community, I mean, nearly 70% of the vote um, went for this. Mm-hmm. You know, it, so that shows a majority, a huge majority of the people in our community, they're thirsty for change, no pun intended. <laughs> um, but, you know, that, that's encouraging. Because sometimes yeah, yeah. you only do see the negative stuff. Um, you know, we're bad about that. But, you know, obviously with something like this, the, the positive greatly outweighed the negative uh, for sure. sure. But well, And I think this is important to say is, you know, we've been talking now for a little over 40 minutes and we've brought the wet vote up several different times. But nobody in this room has said, oh, yeah, I can't wait to get drunk. You know, it's like it's not about that. It's about the growth. And yeah. you saw it online last night. Right. People were happy that the, the wet vote happened. It's like this is going to bring so many opportunities to our area. It wasn't about, well, I can't wait to go buy a case at the Clark's Puffin Shop by right. the house. You know? But it's also, it's, it's such a different culture. And, you know, we probably didn't do the best job about it during the the petition portion of it, uh, you know, we, we definitely tried, but yeah. the hardest thing to get across is, and it's harder for people that are older than us, maybe not directly older than us, but you know, people that are our grandparents age or maybe a little bit younger than even our grandparents is, you know, in the, in the eighties, the, the bar scene or even the nineties, probably the bar scene that doesn't really exist anymore. Like even if you go to Lexington, which is mm-hmm. a college town where people go to bars it's the they're not really that many that mm-hmm. are just bars. I mean, yeah. a tap room is a completely different feel and a completely yeah. different objective than the bars used to be, you know, back in the time. And the thing was, is I think that the bars were a big thing because you had to go somewhere to have a drink. It was your only option. It was your only option. Mm-hmm. You couldn't go to the gas station and buy, you know, your drinks or whatever and have it at the house. But now where it is so expansive and you can get if you if you're that kind of person, mm-hmm. you can get it. Um, at a gas station and take it to the house or at a store and take it to the house mm-hmm. that's relatively close to you. Nobody, you know, and, and DUIs have, have if, if you look at the data, like they fall when wet votes come into place because yep. peop, there's people driving less distance to get that. You mm-hmm. know, if your mm-hmm. mindset is you're going to drive drunk, it, you don't care if you're mm-hmm. going to drive 10 miles or 30. Yeah, it doesn't right. matter. Right. You're, you're impaired. You're right. Yeah. You're, you're yeah. So, so yeah, and I don't foresee a bunch of bars getting built. No. I don't see. I know that that's ca- the thing. I don't, I don't either. see that happening. The way I don't know if it's a location thing of how our county's set up, but that's just not what I see happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I do see more restaurants. I mm-hmm. do see things of that nature coming. But. Right, but you take Grayson for example. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they went wet, and there's there's not. <laughs> like 18 bars in Grayson. I mean, it's Bezos, you know? basically. Bezos, but Bezos is more of a sports bar, a, a place to have music. Yeah. You know, I don't think many yeah. people go to mm-hmm. Bezos as a, a bar setting. They go well, to maybe here, you know, you've played there yeah. with your band sure. and yourself. 
I mean, it's just it's a different culture, and yeah. I think people that live through the eighties and the, and even the nineties yeah. and saw that. They think that that's exactly yeah. what's going to happen, and it's just not the case yeah. anymore. It's not Roadhouse anymore. No, <laughs> no, it's not like it's, it's not, not getting just crazy rowdy <laughs> up there. No, it. Uh, one thing that I, uh, growing up in Ashland, I, I always heard like a lot of people being like, "Oh, this place sucks. I want to get out of here." That kind of cliche mm. thing. I never oh, really yeah. felt that. Uh, I ended up moving away for a little bit, but it wasn't like a out of anger or <laughs> you know despising this area. Uh, I just kind of have been following opportunity or perceived mm-hmm. sure. opportunities um i grew up and still do love and adore like pop punk angsty yeah. teen music uh so i remember loving that kind of thing there was just no scene around there. i remember getting jealous of going to concerts and uh, all over the place and there'd always be like an opener a local opener that was part of that scene and yeah. you'd see these uh I would hear bands coming out of a certain area and a certain area would have a sound to it at the way that their bands mm-hmm. sounded. And I yeah. was always like, what does that sound like for us? And I, I, that's always something that even now I really want to see get cultivated over here. Now I, uh, at Huntington at the, the, the venue, the V club, big shout out to the V club. Hey, Tyler and Sierra. Love you guys. Uh, I go there constantly because I start to see this local music scene and there are bands that are sounding the way that I, I can see their influences and yeah. see how things around like national music influences them, but also local things. There's a local band called Massing that I'm uh, a big fan of, love those dudes. And they're just guys like, I think maybe even still in college, a couple of them and just doing their thing. But I want that for Ashland because I yep. see these personalities and these people that are talented and they're having to go away from their town to do their thing. And so when I see something like this alcohol vote come open, I don't see it necessarily as much of a bar as a place to drink. I see it as, oh, there's going to be opportunity for more music venues, mm-hmm. absolutely, more yeah. stages. Right. right. And it inspires me to be like, oh, I've got like my choice of like five places I can mm-hmm. go play tonight. <laughs> I'm going to go start a band again and do right. this thing. Like, well, we, we talked about Cole. Cheney earlier. Yeah. Like Cole's perfect example. He moved to Lexington so mm-hmm. he could be near the borough and other venues like that, the dist- you know, the distilleries and the breweries that have music on a regular basis. He had to move away to find that opportunity. Yeah. I mean, it's such a shame because, you know, he could be right here at home and doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and hopefully, you know, it, it's not going to happen tomorrow. And it may take a while, but hopefully eventually we get to that point where maybe it's not coal, but maybe it's the next coal that they they don't have to leave home mm-hmm. to do that, to yeah. do exactly what you're saying. Yep. Well, we've, uh, we know we, you've got a meeting to get to here in a few minutes, and uh, we'll wrap up the, the podcast. I appreciate you coming on. Yes, um, thank you. It's been a great conversation. Yeah. Uh, as we end here, kind of talk about or mention what you would like to see you know, with wet vote or not wet vote, whatever, whatever, what would you like to see our community be like in 10 years? Oh man, in 10 years, I, uh, I, I would like to see, so I'm not looking for a, like a huge, massive sweeping change. Like, you know, X corporation came in and it completely redid all, you know what I mean? I'm looking, <laughs> yeah. I would love just to continue on this trajectory that we're seeing of like, Hey, remember these two or three incremental changes that happened over this year that slowly forms a, a culture. A culture doesn't just happen overnight. Right. So as we start to get more accepting of 
uh, Appalachian artistic culture, family. Like, I think there's still room for family values and mm-hmm. tradition and stuff within a modern uh, Appalachian or rural society. I, I want to see this growth continue artistically. Like we just talked about it yeah. with more music venues, more opportunities for artists. And I think we're starting to see the needle moving the right way with things like uh, Unity, fingers crossed in, you know, wishing them all the best and seeing other companies start to see this as a viable area. Um, something I think is going to have some cool major reprodu- uh, repercussions from COVID and quarantine is how many people have seen that they can work from home and work remotely. Right. I think that can be a great opportunity for people moving out of bigger cities and into areas where it's... Uh, you know, you don't have to have a 45 minute commute mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> yeah. you can just hang out with, with folks. So I think that we can we're going to start to see a or I'd like to see a societal shift that favors our uh, how we do it in these smaller towns. Like I, I want to see in 10 years that take place, like people that are younger, they they are looking for that as well. Like everyone's hungrier than ever with social media to have like authentic Interactions, And I think we start providing that when you're doing movie nights and you're doing, uh, you know, all, all sorts of these. Th- all, when I see the Catlinsburg, Ashland, the county in general, I see this movement toward people trying to cultivate community events and that uh, that in, that environment. And I think we can get there. I think we're already there in a lot of ways. Don't get me wrong. Uh, we are very much succeeding. But gosh, look at 10 years ago to now. Right. Uh, w- w- what you could or couldn't do, the kind of events that were happening. And so I think we're going to continue to see that. Um, so I think the event space and that community space is what I'm most excited about. I want to be able to go do things without driving to Cincinnati to do them. And it's mm-hmm. not like, sure, if I'm going to go to a professional sports team, I'm going to have to drive somewhere like that. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I look forward to that, that creative space and cultivating creativity. I think it's healthy for a community too, to have a good creativity uh vibe to it uh to let people have that outlet so that they're not just working all the time i don't want a community that associates its identity or that gets its identity from just work hard like hard work is a great value but i want to see them have more of a personal ownership like who are you as a person not what do you do absolutely i i think we all agree we've Mm -hmm. talked about it several times you know that i've mentioned the coal and iron meats and you know, and I don't ever want to take away from, you know, what, you know, put companies like Ashland Oil or no, they Armco, got us here. They got us they here. Got us here. But the thing is, is, you know, when they left, I feel like a lot of us didn't know what to do. Because mm-hmm. um, the identity was tied so closely with that. Right. You know, we've seen movies where like, they'll, this is funny, but they'll they'll leave a dog like out in the uh, an open field because they can't take care of it anymore. And they drive away, and you just see the dog like getting smaller and smaller in the, the mm-hmm. rear view. And I feel like this community's been the dog. We don't know what to do. Um, <laughs> it's the saddest thing I've ever heard. It really is. I did not want that visual. No, I, <laughs> I, know what mean? I know what you mean. Yeah. And, and we don't have to. And it's hard to have that conversation without really. I mean, it can be offensive to someone who does feel like that dog and feels like they had been left behind or they I put in X number of years into this and what do I have to show for it now? And you want to bring opportunity to those to those folks. We have right. a lot of generations 
to to a, not just appease, but because that's not the right word for it. You have a lot of generations whose quality of life you want them to have the kind of life that you want for them. Right. So that's what excites me most about this. It was when anywhere I go in our community are people that are trying to improve quality of life in their own way, and it's going to take reaching out to. In extrovert and introverted people to <laughs> yep. get their ideas and give them empower them to do that. Whether right. you know they're just helping out with movie nights and helping with the screen, or they're doing whatever. It starts right. small, and you know I, I want to see a more powered community. I guess that's the uh, the tagline of my four page essay answer to your final <laughs> question. <laughs> no. That was a great answer. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good, and that's actually a great way to wrap up yeah. uh, because we we always want to empower the people that listen to this podcast. Uh, so if you guys are listening to this and there's something that you have not heard us discuss or that you, uh, want to see a guest, a certain guest come on that we haven't had yet, reach out to us, betterboypodcast at gmail.com. We're happy to hear from you. We'd love to hear from you. We want to talk about the things that you want to talk about. We want to talk about the community that you want to see, uh, not just through the lens of, of our eyes, but through what you would like to see. Uh, so, Dave, thanks again for coming on. Appreciate My everything pleasure. that you do for this community, serving on uh, so many different boards and what you do at the uh, the Paramount. Um, folks, we appreciate you listening. As always, uh, look out for new episodes uh, every Monday. Uh, again, we're just a group of people that get around the table and start talking about how we want to better our community together for tomorrow uh, right here in Boyd County.